Uh, welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast on the Love Sport Podcast Network. I'm your host, Paul. We'll be joined by a few other geezers and we'll talk all things sport. This is the Love Sport Podcast. John, just you and I, the lonely boys, doing our thing on the Love Sport Podcast. Welcome aboard, mate. Um, hey, Paul, and thanks for having me. I know it's been a, a week or two and um, a lot's happened in the world of sport and in the world of life, so... I'm looking forward to talking to you. Ah, always a pleasure, mate. And all of our friends. Hey, building an audience, building an audience, buddy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Let's get right into it. Look, I'm. I don't know about you. I love my football, Champions League. You could have picked every single result that's happened in the last week or two. So day one, uh, sorry, game day one of this week, mate. Man United with an easy four-one win. Uh, PSG winning 1-0 over Leipzig, Dortmund 3-0 over Club Bruges, uh, Barcelona with a walk over Dynamo Kiev away, uh, 4-0. Lazio beating Zenit St. Petersburg 3-1 and Juve beating Federalhos uh, 2-1. So without being rude, Champions League's almost becoming a little bit boring if it hasn't already. Well, I'm not sure. We probably talked about this before, but I preferred the old way they did it. I actually think they should rename it and call it um, everyone plus the Champions League, <laughs> and and just run with actually, you know, either you either you either won the trophy the year before, yep, or you won your title, and that's the only way you can, it, you know, what it would decongest a lot of um, a lot of matches that you know the, the league stages, especially the you know the first round yeah. league stuff. Yes, crap. Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, I don't, I think it's all about the money now and. And obviously, I think tomorrow we've got another uh, eight games. Um, so it's big money for the networks. And that's pretty I much... I only switch on, switch on quarterfinals. Yeah, it's a good... I mean, it's a great idea. I mean, a couple of games tomorrow that are worth watching. Uh, you got Inter playing Real Madrid. Now, that's only because, you know, of their traditions. But it's probably not going to be that great a game. Uh, and Man City away to Olympiacos, I think might be an interesting one because Olympiacos aren't as bad as what you might imagine. So, But, you know, it's not something I'm greatly excited about tomorrow and we love our football. Mate, it's a very difficult trip to go to Greece, pay anyone and, um, you know, and, and so sure all our Greek fans won't want me lumping in, but the trip, any trip to Greece or further on to Turkey um, is incredibly difficult and um, they get huge, well, they won't get a huge crowd for this, but they, they're really um, massively passionate supporters. And I really rate that from, you know, back in the days of just following and playing football in Australia and um, yep. how many Greek people were involved in that and uh, just what it meant to them. And, yeah, I would – I'd love to see them beat Man City, to be honest. Well, some of the best nights I've had in Brisbane football is going along to see Olympic play because not only do you get a good game of football, nice ground, you get amazing food. So um, there we go. And good food. people. Great people. Very welcoming yeah. people. Uh, totally. EPL on the weekend. Um, unfortunately, your boys were flattened by Newcastle. Bit of uh, VAR controversy in my um, game, Villa versus Brighton. Um, look, probably the right call. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but probably the right call. Um, our player was clipped in the box, but the player kicked the ball first, and then there was a follow-through. So I, as mad as I was with VAR, because a penalty was given, it was probably the right decision in the end for uh, for Brighton to win two one for against us. The upset was the Tottenham Man City one 
from a lot of people's perspective. But if Tottenham's going to be one of the big boys, they've got to win some of these games. So is it that big an upset, really? I suppose winning go on top of the league. Well, they're not. They've spent a lot of money over the years. It, should it be? Enough? Oh, they've to they're there now. They've got to hold on for a long time. But you're right. They have to win those kind of games. And and good luck to them. They suddenly seem to have the biggest supporter base in the world of people. <laughs> I've couple people telling me they're Spurs fans and like you know lifelong. It's like, oh good. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But um, you know, they got a lot to do. They've really haven't. Well, to to steal a phrase from someone else, they haven't put a square to piss in the bucket when it comes to actually delivering. I don't think on the money that's been spent and the kind of hype that surrounds them. Uh, they got to that Champions League final. Biggest that Champions League final. The worst thing about that game was the fact that I'd much rather seen Ajax play in that final because they were a much better team. They were playing great football that year. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, uh, I'm not going to have any money to win the title, are you? I'm not going to have money on anyone to win the title this year because it's just... Look, I know everyone's now saying, oh, it's, it's Liverpool's already. They thrashed Leicester 3-0, but th- their injuries just keep now, and they got another couple injuries on the weekend. Eventually, eventually that's got to take its toll. So I think we've got... I say that stuff about, about Spurs with all due regard. I mean, I understand. I mean, I follow a team that's won nothing. Yeah. And and I I love seeing other teams come up and win stuff. It's brilliant. They Like you say... Um, well, I think we spoke last year about the fact that, to me, they remind me of that they're going to do an us, and yeah. that is hang around, get get a couple of runners ups, uh, always be awesome in attack, not be able to close deals, and then the money runs out and the fun ends, and they've won squat. You, you, we we talk about it in all sports. You you've got to make uh, hay while the sun shines, um, but look, it's a, mm. it's a great it's a great season. Um, fans. Uh, I believe now the restrictions are slightly easing. Um, I think for some future games, it might be four to 5,000 people, um, which is better than no people in the, st- in the stadium. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the crowds coming back. Um, hopefully COVID gets under control in the UK because it's uh, pretty bad numbers there, pretty dire, pretty dire viewing for yeah. anyone over there, mate. I don't control. It's just not, you know, speaking to people back home, um, especially up in the north where things are pretty dire. Yeah. Yeah, so we're not taking that lightly. We're not saying fans going back, uh, you know, everything's rosy. We're, we're actually saying how tough it is. And to even get anyone back is an amazing, uh, amazing outcome. Um, Leeds absolutely dominated uh, a 10-man Arsenal. Um, seriously, they needed AFL goal posts and they would have won um, <laughs> naught goals 38 uh, to three points <laughs> because Leeds really did dominate that game. I mean, I think with Bielsa, it's something they're going to have to develop, John, over the next few years is, yes, it's great to be cavalier, but you've also got to kind of graft results a little bit. And and at the moment, what I'm seeing from Leeds is that they're just not grafting. They're either killing it or or not. And um, they probably should have won that 2 or 3 nil against Arsenal, and that's football. There's always that fantastic, you know, and that's another, I mean, reference back to my club is like, you know, it's awesome to be the most entertaining team in the league. And I know that we've got fans of our club who moan about that all the time and go, oh, you know, I can't believe that we're setting up at the back and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, come on. You know, if you want to win, you have to be able to stop. You got, you have to be able to defend and um, saying you'll score three, but we'll score four. Well, I know for sure and certain that killed us 
And Leeds have had a couple of four threes this year too, haven't they? They have. So a lot of parallels back to the old, uh, to our glory days where we won nothing. But um, yeah, good luck to look. It's great to see Leeds actually enter the Premier League and be a dynamic team. They're one of the great clubs in Europe, and you got to enjoy it while it lasts. Hundred percent. Not everyone. Idol, man. So what is um what what's satisfactory these days is is really funny about sport. It seems like because sport's constant now, like back when we were growing up, you had your football season, then you had cricket season, and you might have watched a few other sports, um, you know, when the Olympics were on and all kind of things like that. But it seems now that, you know, especially with the congested COVID situations, that sport just moves on so quickly that we don't stop and appreciate the wins, because if that makes any kind of sense at all, it's kind of like, right, uh, AFL grand final's done. Now it's trade week. Now trade week's done. Now it's pre-season and we're back onto the season. And I think it's really symptomatic of life. We're getting a bit deep here, but we don't stop. So so ridiculously long. And and we talked about decongesting the Champions League. I mean, you could seriously take a couple of weeks out of the, out of all the European leagues and, and find something at either end. You know, Liverpool had one of the greatest seasons ever seen in English football. And I don't want to throw in the word arguable. It was one of the greatest seasons, but it's, it's just restarted straight away. And, and, and it's kind of like all those people didn't get to celebrate it really. And that, that honestly is, is life right now. So remember a few years ago when England won the Ashes and then three months later, the Ashes was on here. Yeah. And in Australia, when it's like England didn't even hold it for three months. No. And, and, and look, as supporters, you know, something, you know, we're at a certain age where we probably get a bit melancholy and, and look back at the what we consider the golden times. But, you know, from an AFL perspective, my team's won three of the last four grand finals. And I can tell you now, that's going to sustain me for decades. I, I know the pain of what we went through. And I just hope our young kids and the people we know appreciate the good times, not always looking for what's next. Because I'm quite well. One of the things that happens is as soon as you win a title in any sport these days, it's always, oh, are they good enough to go back to back? It's like you know that's so hard to do in any sport. Um, you know, it's a big, it's always a big talking point in the in the NRL. Yep, it's huge in American sport, and it's bigger. You know, the, the question for Liverpool is is more so now that they've broken the seal. You know, can they get on a Man United type role and you know get back on top of them? You know, that sort of thing. Absolutely. And you, you don't take time to smell the rose, roses while you're there. Well, maybe it's up to, up to all of us as fans to actually um, do that a bit more. You know, I've already had people say to me about the storm and, and, you know, about this, that and the other. Oh, you know, they're not going to win it next year. I, I'm actually answering going, hey, I don't really, don't mean to be rude. I actually don't care about next year until next year. Right now, I'm just enjoying it. I'm a blessed, blessed supporter. Um, in saying that, I've um, got a couple interesting we always have interest. That's a really silly comment. We always have interesting uh, fixtures coming up uh, this week in the Premier League. The one I'm really looking forward to, uh, or two actually, Everton leads, because Everton they don't get a result in this. All that good work in the first few weeks, They're falling off a cliff. Yeah, and I, I, you know, you kind of don't want that to happen unless you're a Liverpool supporter and hate Everton. And then a really, really juicy one. Um, put a bit of pressure on Solskjaer here, is Southampton can continue their run and beat uh, Man United at home. That would be all Southampton are at home. But that, that's those are the two games that stand out for me. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Oh, 
apologise. The Man United Chelsea... fans have given Solskjaer a lot more rope than they ever gave to Mourinho, haven't they? The fans I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. And, and we know why. I mean, he was uh, a legend of the club. Um, doesn't always work out, as we know. Um, oh, Chelsea Tottenham as well, of course, because Chelsea are right back on track. They've kind of snuck under the radar a little bit, haven't they? Uh, it's a big London rivalry, and uh, yeah, it's it's to be a good game. Like you say, we'll see if Spurs can actually go on like a you know hold this sort of position for up through Christmas. Then you'll start to go. You know what? We got it. They got a chance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be honest with you. I actually don't believe in their goalkeeper either, and captain. Yeah, and and, that, and, that, and he's a pretty a... decorated player and a great player. I just don't know. And I, every time I ever have this conversation about any goalkeeper. It comes back and bites me in the rump, but um, I've seen Laurie a few times, and, and I don't know. He's like, "Wow, man, I, he's kind of brilliant," but he worries me about, you know, going. Is he He's a yo-yo keeper for me because his best is absolutely brilliant, and his worst mm. is highlights of bad keeping, and he he doesn't mm. reach that middle ground often enough. Um, so you know, I, I actually 100% agree with you. We'll see what happens in the next few weeks as the fixtures start crowding up again. It's going to be really interesting to see fatigue kick in there as well. Um, they've just come off a season. A-League fixtures have been released and crowds have also, uh, in most states now, borders are open. People have been told that they'll be able to go back to games. So it's almost like the A-League really has, last season was kind of a blip. Maybe this season gets, it, gets people back interested in the game. Yeah, well, have for your sake, because you might be one of the. Yeah, uh, you'll be going to watch it. <laughs> I'll be one of the only uh, Redcliffe Raw supporters, you believe. Um, well, look, I hope the crowds do get back. I hope they're, you know, we've had a very historic uh, few days in Australian football, with Football Federation Australia officially ending, and it's now Football Australia. So, you know, for all intensive purposes, for anyone who is interested in the A League and so forth, the domestic competitions are completely. Um, apart from Football Australia. So they've got that autonomy to perhaps move ahead or make changes not dictated by um, those who are overlooking the Socceroos and the Matildas and the Joeys and so forth. So could be a make or break time. It could be fantastic for football in Australia. Doesn't football in Australia just have so many rebrandings and restarts and free kicks? It's like, you know... I. Australian Soccer Federation, Soccer Australia, Football Australia, Australian Football Federation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, agree. All those. I, I think this one had to happen by name because of the separation of powers. Um, but I agree with you. Mm. I think it's happened way too often. Um, look, we we saw a, uh, and I mean, we saw a game of rugby uh, over the weekend. Uh, rugby Union, for those who want the full title, but we call it rugby. Um, saw a very interesting game, the 15-all draw between Argentina and Australia. Did you get to see that? You know, I should have been across it, but I didn't because I was uh, I was, I was seeing karaoke at Christmas party. I did see a video I, today. I, 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 where I, I was following it on the phone while we were there. So, you know, that was uh, Argentina's a big-time team, man. And that's a, you know what, that's actually a pretty decent result for Australia at the moment. On face value, it is. And I did see a video of uh, your duets. Uh, what song were you singing again? Was it Purple Rain? Purple Rain. Yeah, so for anyone who's interested, John may post that. Who knows? It's uh, very 
heartwarming rendition of Purple Rain by Prince. Uh, fantastic, John. I, I, I appreciate you doing that, mate. But uh, well, look, I was trying to happen that party because there was nothing else doing. Well, you, you certainly gave it a go. Uh, I won't say anything mm-hmm. negative because you had the guts to get up there and do it. Uh, look, Australia were 15-6 in this game, mate. Um, the conditions were horrendous. It was a howling wind. Um, it was at Newcastle, wasn't it? It was. It was, which was great yeah. to see it go to a, um, you know. Australia's record, record, they got beat by Scotland there a few years ago as well. It's good to see those games go out to those grounds, though, because the grounds are, <laughs> you know, the grounds are ready made for it. But, look, we, um, I think the disappointing thing for Australia was not only leading 15-6, um, but from all reports, because um, you, you don't know when you're watching it until afterwards, the coach had... Uh, basically extolled what he wanted them to do, you know, ruck, ruck, kick. Um, and they went against his orders. Even when he was screaming out at them on the field, um, he, he they basically went, uh, they got rattled by the Argentinians. So congratulations, Argentina, fantastic fight back and actually could have stolen the match at the end with a beautiful mm. kick downfield that was almost taken and would have been a very deserved win. But Australia didn't stick to what the coach said. So, you know, coaches get the blame for losses. But if the coaches told them what to do, because Australia actually had the wind in the second half, they didn't put the ball up in the air and put pressure on Argentina. And it was actually a disappointing 15-all, John, just to let you know. We were in charge of that match. Longer than some of the guys in the team. He's, uh, I know he was appointed by the former chief executive who most things he touched was a disaster, but... He's a high-quality coach. The, the, the All Blacks want him back. Um, and, why, and that tells you everything. And so Australia, will, I'm sure, will be looking after him. And, yeah, like that Scotland game that I spoke about was also played in some of the worst conditions you'd ever see. It was a very low-scoring game. Yeah. Very exciting. And just to circle right back for anybody who's not a, a Queenslander or a Victorian, maybe there's no overseas, when... Um, Southern States people say rugby, this sort of this sort of conglomeration of both codes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You'd agree with that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. When we're rugby up here in Queensland and New South Wales, we call it basically, it's usually called league for rugby league yep. and for union, it's called rugby. So absolutely. that's what we call it. True? No, that, yep. That's how I call it. 100%. And uh, I have okay. to explain it to all of my Southern mates all the time. They go, what do you mean, rugby? Is it league or what are you talking about? No, rugby's rugby and then we got league. That, and we should call it rugby league. But anyway, that's that's on us, man. We need to sort that out. We need to help people out there. But look, in the end, 15 all against a team who's got as much passion as you'll ever see. So if you're an Argentinian fan, you'd have to be extremely proud of the recent results. We're going to need some results to go our way to win the tri-series, but nevertheless, um, we'll see what happens there. State of origin, mate. Just on that note, Argentina's quite is one of the great sporting nations on the planet, aren't they? Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, we, we could do a whole podcast just on uh, countries one day. I think we might do that, actually. Go country by country on some of their sporting so, I think it's a bit less a known fact that the Argentinian rugby community is just quite... Quite alive and vibrant, and uh, yeah, and they managed to produce great players with literally no support from any anywhere else around the world. Well, you're 100 correct, and Dad and I always talk about down at the alley there, mate, Carumba at the Alligators Ground there. Uh, quite a few years ago, Argentina had their first team and played a practice game at Carumba. Um, yeah, and and there was Argentinian tops everywhere. It was one of the really good nights. Dad and I just wandered down. 
and went, oh, who's playing? That looks like Argentinian tops. And they've gone, that's the Argentinian <laughs> first team in a warm-up. So, that's pretty awesome. It's a look, pretty cool jersey too. It's a great jersey. Love it. Love it. No, I just love their passion. So I'm really happy to see them uh, doing well. Mate, State of Origin, you always gave Queensland a chance. They were outsiders in each game. And they've created history. I don't want to hear about the worst team of all time. That that stuff's just rubbish. And it's it's like saying the best team of all time. You know what I mean? So what a brilliant, brilliant, what a brilliant series win. Um, you take it home, mate. It's it's your bread and butter. I think coaching really matters. And I said to you, I was very confident given that I felt that the quality of the people sitting in the box, and that's not just um, Wayne Bennett and Mal Meninga, but also guys like Neil Henry in there who were, yeah. you know, working with the team. And I, I kind of looked at it from this point of view and I thought it, it seemed pretty obvious that they had Bennett there to be the, you know, the um, the guy to bring the squad together. They had Mal there to talk about, you know, um, just about past and, you know, um, like the personal side of things. Yep. And I thought Henry must have been there for the tactics and, and obviously was running the game plan and stuff like that. Um, Bennett obviously had a huge hand in selections. I think that, that, that his selection network, goes pretty deep. The QRL knew what they were doing when they put him in. He had a plan. And it came to fruition. I, I like I that was one of the most deci- the most decisive physical beatings I've seen at an origin level. And then it came down to the last minute, as origins always do, but I thought Queensland's no name forward pack absolutely pulverized New South Wales in that game and um, and that was good because they were picking themselves up off the deck after game two. Um, and I thought it was an incredibly good performance. And I can say this is that I'd never really relaxed during Origin. I know this sounds stupid, no. but for great chunks of that game, I, I never thought there was a chance of losing. And literally until the last minute and a half. When Valentine Holmes knocked that ball on over line, I thought, you know, you opened it up, opened up the door. And I thought he had a... I didn't think – I think he really lowered his colours in the second half. Um, but, you know, apart from that, that I thought everyone was just brilliant. Look, I just, you know, credit where credit's due. Form uh, at club level is one thing, but playing for your jersey, I know that gets a bit overrated in movies and TV and all that, but Queensland, the Queenslanders really play for their jersey like not many teams I've ever seen. Um, so, you know, they deserve to win the series. And the really interesting thing was seeing Wayne Bennett smile the last couple of months. Yeah. It's, he's been he really happy. happy. Yeah, he looked pretty happy, and, and that's good to see. He's had a we won't go on about his personal life, but he's had a tough few years as his family has as well. And to see him smile was really refreshing, to be honest. And well done, Queensland. And I think uh, as a Melbourne Storm fan, I knew Munster was going to be a leader from day one, and he's going to lead Queensland. I think for many many years, mate. I, I he can do everything. I was really happy for Daly Cherubins because he's he's had, he's had a hard time. He's one of the few Queenslanders I can remember really getting a hard time from Queenslanders. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. And him to come through the let's be honest, the transitional time, difficult time, and, and taking over the captaincy and, and and that team after pretty much the greatest team in rugby league history has gone before it. Um, for him to only be on a two-year turnaround, I think, is incredible. He used and, one and of the yeah. do with Queensland's dynasties are going. They could never stand up and really just steal one here or there. No. It was Queensland definitely did that this year. 
I just think it was great. And look, Trey uh, Evans did. You're right. He copped a lot of grief after game two. But what was really interesting, and, and you can go back and listen to interviews, and, um, but Bennett was really calm after game two. And he said, yep, it we've, was. Just re- we've just reset. We're ready for game three. You know, and that's that's as simple as that. doesn't matter if you lose by 100 or you lose by two points. It's a loss, right? So they got thrashed and they set themselves for game three straight away. And that was really obvious. Um, Not many people remember that in last year's series. Queensland hit the lead with two minutes, three minutes to go. Yep. And we're in front and we're going to win that series as well. But New South Wales pulled out a miracle Queensland type play. It Credit really to was. them. Yep. You take that out, Queensland would have gone back to back. And that's saying something, given the resource, the relative resources, the players that we, that I'm going to use the we here, yep. the royal we, the, the resources that we've lost and then bringing in. I think that's why a lot of New South Wales people haven't been blowing up about things, you know, like it normally happens. I think they just looked at it and went, you know what, if you win with those boys, uh, good luck. Yeah, exactly right. A sport that's uh, very close to your heart, Um I love the sport myself, and you know I've gone to ga- to games and and matches by myself, and it doesn't really matter who plays. The cricket fixtures are out. We've got the BBL. You know we've got our test kind of lineup and everything. Crowds are allowed back in. Are you looking forward to this summer of cricket, John? Well, um, I'm probably not the the best person to speak to about 2020. You know, oh, I know it just that. doesn't flight me. <laughs> um, but you know, um, you have to be realistic and. You, you see some incredible cricket. Watching India and Australia is a very exciting prospect. Obviously, with Coley not staying, that's going to change things um, yeah. in Australia's favour. I really look forward to the fact that the Indians are actually embracing playing a test at the Gabba when they previously said they wouldn't do it. And we all know why they wouldn't go there. So they're actually playing a test there this time around, which is good. Um, so, yeah, I think the summer cricket should be exciting. I'm really Apart from that, I want to... Yeah, I haven't really looked overly deep into it, except that I know that I'm really looking forward to seeing India's pace attack back out in Australia. Enjoyed them last time. Will Picotti's pace attack's insane. So it's one of the it's one of the last sports where oh, I shouldn't say it's one of the last sports, but it's one of those sports where um, state rivalries really do come into play about uh, who people want in and out of the team and so forth. And um, Justin Langer's come out and basically supporting. Openly, whether it's behind doors, I don't know, but openly supporting Joey Burns potentially batting um, with David Warner as the opener. And yet we've got Will Pekoski, the Victorian, who's scoring runs like he's just getting them for free. Um, so it's going to be, I keep saying it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if they do pick someone on form or they pick someone, let's be honest, Joey Burns hasn't had the best run of um, form over the last few years, or the last couple of years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there, whether Langer stays kind of loyal or lets a young gun uh, have a go. What, any thoughts on that one? Well, he hasn't. I don't think Joe Burns has been really well looked after by Australia. You know, and, and the same goes with the other Queensland opener, uh, Renshaw, who's just mm. nowhere near it now. Um, I, I think Joe Burns has been, you know, I think he's been blamed when he hasn't done stuff wrong. Yeah. I think everyone knows that at the top of the order, if you're opening, you can get a low score. I think, I think the biggest problem if you're an opener is if you get 25s and 30s. Um, I think Joe's actually not too bad at going on. I think sometimes he goes early, but I don't think he's I don't think he's been particularly well treated. You know, when they start changing teams for tours overseas, I mean, it's like if you get cherry picked to only play in the 
in the in the in the matches against the strongest pace attacks on quick wickets, what do you reckon is going to happen to your average? Yeah, you know, I, yeah. It's so I I think it takes a bit of long term. I see that with the young fellow from Victoria. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. He's been in the in the Australian selectors record before. He's taken time off for, um, you know, for personal issues and 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 all that kind of stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, well publicised so, uh, mental health. He's not over issues. That, yeah. You wonder about. Um, okay, he's obviously an amazing vein of form, but you know, obviously that's the best time to get you in. But you know, it, maybe they're concerned. The Indians aren't going to come at him and be patting on the back and saying, "Geez, did I tell you what? We like your um your unkept hairstyle. You look sensational." <laughs> no, they're not going to worry about that. They're going to be all over him. So. I think that that's probably a series to have a little bit of a tougher um, guy at the top because it's not like Australia's going to be short of runs. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, if it's, they, it's an interesting one. Uh, you know, I, I'd be taking an older head into that series for sure, especially if – and this is not criticising people with issues, with issues, but if you are not 100% able to say that I can focus on this, then, you know, because – you know, he seemed to be just wanting to pick and choose him when he can and can't play. That's that's tough when you're opening Australia for Australia. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a it is one of those sports where you know your mental strength and everything like that is absolutely paramount, isn't it? Because it's how you can handle your failures and handle your success, almost like no other sport. The only thing I can kind of attribute it to being the same is um, being a striker in in football. You know, you're. You're either scoring on a rich vein or you're not scoring at all, and that and it's not not often to do with your technique, is it? It's to do with your confidence. So um, when you're I, I'm really... in Australia and you're in the and it's the number one test series in the world at that time, and there's there's billions of Indians watching it. Uh, you need to make sure that you're 100 percent able to play. And everybody, we always say that you know your mental health and your physical health go hand in hand. They're no different, and so. I, I would think that the Australian um, selectors and Justin Langer want to know that everything's in place before Will Petrosky, um gets playing for the Australian team. And it's it's been really interesting to see people's reactions. You know, Victorians are very, like Queenslanders, Victorians are very passionate about their bush rangers and um, they're going to think it's the biggest scandal ever if he's not picked. So it's just been funny to watch that kind of evolve on social media. If he's not picked, I'm not watching the team. Well, if you're not watching the team because of one person, don't. We, you know, don't. That's that's up to you. But I watch the Australian cricket team because it's the Australian cricket team. So, you know, we'll leave that one there. We'll put up a poll about it. Now, <laughs> you better watch how you word it. I'll, uh, I'll get some advice from some health professionals on it. No, I, I will. Yeah. I'm just basically going to put up who would you put as the opener? Joe Burns, Will Pekoski. I don't think there's anything. Uh, there you go. We'll leave it at that one. All right, there you go. Uh, now. Ice bowled him. Well, maybe it's against his religion to hit the fucking ball, but he's out. Now, the players this year have been asked to, uh, whenever possible, cover up the responsibly part on the gamble responsibly signage around the ground. He's done well here. Um, so if you've been with us for the last 30 seconds or so deliberating on this boundary, uh, you should be gambling by now. I know you're not the biggest tennis fan ever, but it's going to be a very, very next few years of tennis without the um, if the vaccines aren't going through because 
you usually have things like the Brisbane International um, and, and tournaments in Adelaide and New South Wales and everything that lead up to the Australian Open. So the players get to basically go on a tour of Australia, getting their form up before they go to the Oz Open. And it is an absolutely sensational tournament. Um, so it's going to be interesting because all the players are actually going to kind of be in lockdown and play lead-up tournaments in Victoria before the Australian Open. And already a lot of people are talking about pulling out. So we could have another Grand Slam with basically half the field on the men's and women's side. Should the Oz Open happen or should they put it on hold? Well, I think for me, the perfect Grand Slam would be one that's played behind closed doors with no crowds and it's not televised. Which is, uh, which is pretty much what they've tried to do in, in, the, last, uh, in, right. the, in, the, in the calendar year. So, you know, the Oz, <laughs> the Oz Open is a brilliant event. The Oz Open is a brilliant event. It's a fun event to go to. You get to see the stars on all the courts because the actual – I don't the, – the tennis centre down there, the Rod Laver Arena and everything is absolutely magnificent. So um, I don't think it'll go ahead in the way we, we've seen it before. So, you know, does the Oz Open have any relevancy this year? I think it still will. I shouldn't have said that about, uh, by the way, my son's just taken his car out of the recording studio, which is also called our garage. Um, the Yeah, I I shouldn't have said that. But I, I was firmly tongue-in-cheek. It's obviously a, oh, a great event. Uh, it's wonderfully run. And I, you know... Well, it opens up for Nick Kyrgios, doesn't it? Well, if it, you know, I mean, who knows who's going to even play in it. But the, the thing I love studying, John, is is how a tournament is set up, not just the players, but the people who go to the events. You know, what? They, and I've said this about the Australian Open before. They have stuff for the kids where they can play with oversized rackets. They have where you can get a video photo with the star of your choice. They have all these kind of stuff in between the tennis matches that is, is some of the best I've seen around the world. And so that's where the Oz Open also becomes that kind of um, that kind of event for kids. But it's also got the fanaticism in some ways that some of the other tournaments around the world don't have. Um, so if there's a Croatian player playing, you'll see half the crowd with Croatian flags. The Greeks, they'll have a bit, you know, the Greek chanting. So it's it's almost like it's the tournament that's the closest to kind of like a football tournament, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that there'll be players who will come. I'd be more thinking about how many actual flights are available, to be honest. 100%. Yeah, so, I mean, I, we're only two months away, less than two months away. If I, it's just, I'm a serious tennis player, I'd be looking at that going, you know what, if no one's there, I'm going to take my chance to go and win a Grand Slam. Well, it's still going to be a Grand Slam, isn't it? Um, so, you know, it's people in 30 years' time are going to look at the Grand Slam winners and they're just going to go, that was a Grand Slam winner. Um now, mate, I'm not sure if you got this message off me today, but I wanted to have a little bit of a look at, and this could change every day. Don't know if you got this message. I wanted to have a bit of a look at some of the top, you know, sporting scandals that you can think of over the years. Um, doesn't? Mm. Did you get that message from me at all? Maybe we can talk about it. Why not? It's not that hard to think. <laughs> well, I apologise you didn't get it, so I've kind of put you on the spot, mate. But I, uh, I, I had three that have kind of touched me in, in different ways and um, Muhammad Ali, a conscientious objector at the top, top of his career, we're talking about Black Lives Matter, religion, everything like that in sport, but this was decades ago and, and this was a very different time in, in world and, and American culture so for me, I don't know if it fits into the scandal thing, but you're looking at the best boxer 
you know, potentially of all time at the peak of his career being jailed for being a conscientious subjector. To me, that's kind of like one of the massive sporting stories, sporting scandals of all time. Oh, for sure. That was huge. And, uh, you know, look back on it now and people think, oh, yeah, whatever. But uh, it was a hu- it cost him um, Olympic uh, selection, all kinds of stuff, didn't it? Cost him world titles. Um, he, he was yeah. stripped of his title and, uh, you know, he didn't box for years. And a lot of people forget about the, the Ali legacy in that way because mm. at the prime of his career, uh, you know, he's missed out on over three years of boxing. And you know how many fights a boxer can have in the prime in those three years and the, and the money and all those things. And so it makes him even a better boxer, if that probably is not the, the best way of describing it. But it's a, one of the great scandals of politics, of sport, of, of someone standing up for what they believe in. And that's, to me, is why he is still considered the greatest of all time. It's not just his boxing at that period, but what he stood for. When well, it wasn't popular to do so. And just saying stuff and, and pointing at other people and go, you know what, um, you need to do something about this. He did it himself. Decades before it was uh, a thing mm. to do. Um, you know, and there not was no finished. Sorry, John, didn't hear that last bit. And, and it wasn't when his career was finished or or he was obviously like, you know, on the on the on the outer with with where he was heading like play or um, boxing wise, it was right. Jam at, at his the absolute peak, absolutely. Yeah. You got you, you got one there for us, mate. Oh, uh, what about Wayne Carey and um and Mrs. Stevens? I think uh, you know, I believe that is classified as a scandal, doesn't it? It's a huge Australian scandal in, in Aussie rules because it's the betrayal of teammates at the North Melbourne, at, at arguably still at the zenith of their ability to win grand finals. Um, it's at a house party which with the North Melbourne players and everything were really close and it's all sorts of betrayal you know it's betrayal of mates betrayal of club betrayal of your vows that you make so I at the time especially you know social media wasn't really around like it is now it was a massive scandal and it still is to these days yeah it had everything covered it had it had high profile athletes it had sex it had it had everything it cost Wayne Carey a lot didn't it but I wonder if it cost um, Anthony Stevens more of course, because, you know, I mean, we don't know the ins and outs of all, and that's probably the wrong terminology to use, but we don't know the ins and outs of their relationships. But it also cost the North Melbourne Football Club, who are arguably still the strongest club in the competition at that stage, winning one or, or more premierships. It cost friendships. It cost a lot. So it was a massive scandal. Um, yeah, that was best, mate. Was Anthony Stevens the club record games holder at that stage? I, he was something. I know he was. He was really he was close, yeah. He was definitely captain, yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, Wayne Ke- was he captain or Wayne Carey? Yeah, one of those two. But- yeah, Wayne Carey was captain, but I actually think Anthony Stevens might have been in the role of captain at that point. Yeah, I think he was. We'll go back and look at that. But it was a huge, mm. huge scandal, and it was, you know, ended up mate against mate. And, you know, obviously when uh, Wayne Carey went to Adelaide, uh, Glenn Archer got stuck into him. And, um, you know, I think Wayne Carey's a fantastic commentator. But I won't listen to him ever talk about culture at a football club like he did this year. I won't go on about it. But he, you know, talked about the culture of a football club with what you did. That's a tiny bit rich. Little so, known I, fact. Little known fact. Uh, his um, he got hurt at Adelaide. Yeah, he hurt his shoulder. Yes. I think. Yeah. He already had bad gets, shoulders. He already had bad you know shoulders, but they were really bad. I do. At Palm Beach, Crumbin Lions. 
where he got paid the five grand for about five minutes of game time. We all went down there for that, and um, yeah. and we saw him, and um, that was that was actually one of the coolest days ever, to be honest. But uh, like, only played for five minutes because not many of us would have seen the last five minutes of the game. I don't think. No. <laughs> Anyone knows that's our local. That's our local Aussie Rules Club. And uh, cricket club as well, mate. So there you go. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. And, so that's uh, my so, first scan of three of them. Let's go. Okay. Uh, now, now I'm going to put this one down. It sounds like a really basic one, but it's not about him per se. It's about how widespread this was. And um, Lance Armstrong and, and oh. the drug scandal and the doping. So it's not just about Lance Armstrong. It's about the systematic doping and the turning the blind eye on a whole sport. I think Lance Armstrong just forever changed cycling. We all knew it. We all we had the inklings. We had the feelings. We thought things would happen. But that, to me, he was one of my heroes, um, having suffered cancer and you know being part of the Livestrong. And I bought all the kind of stuff. And I'm not a cyclist. Do you know what I mean? So, um, well, you say we all, we all knew it, but you know what I. I'm one of those bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I believe it until I'm a little bit like the old, you know, for sure. I, I believed him. Yeah, I wanted to, um, but I always had the inkling. Mate, I had the Livestrong shirts. I had the Livestrong armbands. I, I bought completely into it. Um, and even though I, I did think it was happening, when you look at the actual um, – have a look at the – there's heaps of documentaries on it. There's great books on it, and ESPN's just redone the Lance um, interviews, which just show – I don't know the difference too much between a sociopath and a psychopath, but he is definitely a path um, of some sort because it's it's his denial even seeps through his apologies to this day. I remember the um, – remember when everyone was getting done for drug cheats, right? And what's in a tour de France? It was always an awesome night. It's always late here at night. And then I can't remember what happened, but that dude from Lance Armstrong's team took over the spot. Floyd Landis, who'd always yep. been a support rider. He went in the up to was, was just this insane. And next day, drugs. It was like one fucking, pardon me, I shouldn't have said that. One day out and, and he's busted and then, Everyone was busting them. Lance Armstrong was on it for the whole time. It's like, you know, it was just, a, you're right. I can't believe that the sport actually survives. No. Uh, look, I, I, I'm with you. The Tour de France, especially certain stages, was must-watch SBS TV. Um, mm. I, I, I absolutely loved it. I couldn't believe these athletes and, and what they went through and the tactics and and learning about how you had to be part of the peloton to stay in the times for each um, stage. And when you learnt all those things, it was really oh, – I loved it. And, you know, I, I'm trying to love the um, Tour de France and again, but I just don't know if I ever can. No, no, um, thanks. It's, no, it, no. Who wants to get invested in it when – do you know what? Do you honestly believe anyone? There? No. Even Sorry. now, I don't. It's just what what are they doing now to hide it kind of thing, even though I could yeah. be wrong. They're probably all innocent and I don't want to be sued. Um, mate, you got another. I know I put you on the spot yeah, here. Yeah. So, what about another the, one there? Uh, fertile ground for scandals. Let's go to warning. <laughs> and, um, and <laughs> have we got an hour or two? And he was getting paid 180 grand by the uh, by Nicorette to get off the um, get off the smokes. And the legend has it that 
the day after the day he got paid, the money went to his bank from Nicorette that he apparently had completed the challenge. He walked around the back of the stadium, it might have been at Christchurch or at or at the Basin Reserve in Wellington or wherever he was, and lit one up and a kid saw him and started yelling out, Warney, Warney's got a smoke. And Warnie chased him and beat him up. So a kid got oh my God. because he was going to let everyone know that Warnie was actually sucking on a gas out the back of the stand after he was supposed to be off him. And that's that's pretty that's pretty easy. That's that's letting Warnie off lightly and uh, – but what an amazing uh, sports person he was because the scandals never got the better of Warner. He just kept on going out and taking wickets and what an amazing guy he is. He could be another path as well. I don't know which path he'd be. So any psychologists listening, you can tell us. Because it didn't matter what you said to him, what you did to him, what scandals. He would still play at the very top level. I don't know many people who have that mental fortitude to be able to do that. I also don't know anyone who could produce such a... In, Insipid uh, fragrances, SW23. What about VB? That to me is the scandal. Well, I mean, VB, hey, you know what smell you're getting, right? But seriously, who's it's buying that, man? Like, I mean, who's going to who's gonna buy Warney's aftershave? I mean, it's not like he's at the height of his career. He's awesome. But I, what I envisage, what I envisage is someone in their 40s who doesn't mind a fag, who loves his bacon, who thinks that going to the local RSL is the peak of his pickup status. A little bit of SW23. A couple of couple dollars in the pokies. That well, grandma's his. That, you have to also, awesome. at this point, you have to take a step back and it's a little bit like, be careful who you call out because Warney's record with some of the greatest looking ladies on the planet is... Pretty good. Well, there you go. What is the tactic? It could be the absolute hot heat. Warnie only operates at the very highest end of the market, if you know what I mean. So, 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 so SW23, you know how they talk about, you know, fragrance, uh, you know, touches of this and that and so forth in, a, in an aftershave or whatever. Is it purely the sweat of Warn? So you're getting his, like, horm- his, his pheromones and hormones potentially. Because that to me is a scandal. SW. That's a, diff- that's a different together. kettle of fish. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you know, um, happy the man who is um, enjoying company of people like Liz Hurley. hundred uh, percent, mate. I, one of the great nights that uh, I've actually had out was uh, working for. Uh, can I say who I work for? Do I get in trouble? Working for Queensland Cricket and Cricket Australia, and and actually going out to. Um, we went to the casino in Sydney. And who was sitting there, 10 o'clock at night, bevy of women around him. One of the great nights of my life, got to have a beer with Brian Lara. I know oh, it's yeah, not that's a sporting that's scandal. All that. <laughs> well, <he> was, <laughs> no, no. I want him pretty tight, so. Yeah, but that, mate, that was great. He actually invited a few of us to sit with him and it was only half an hour, an hour of us just geeking out. But it was uh, one of the great moments cool. of my life getting to meet Brian Lara, man. And he is... The coolest. If you think he was cool on the field, he's just as cool off it, if not cooler. He was amazing. Just completely chilled out. He's cool, but he's not the coolest, man. Come on, that's only for Viv. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Viv. I mean, we're putting him... Viv's, Viv's a different hemisphere to everyone. But this guy was pretty darn cool, mate. I can tell you that. So, uh, look, so the awesome. sca- what, 
what's the biggest scandal about Warren for you? Was it the fact that he could have been Australian captain? Was it the fact that you know would, that you could put any any number of things down for Warney there, mate? Oh, yeah, no, it had to be the diuretics. <laughs> Absolutely, he I mean, blamed banned mom. substance. He said his mum like gave him six years old. He did, and she probably did. She probably did. In all he, consciousness, she probably did. Well, she might have, but Mate, you know, still, he threw her under the bus. He, <laughs> well, she probably should have thrown him under. Mate, my third scandal. Um, I, was, I listened to a lot of podcasts as well, and one that uh, through ESPN that I've loved is it's um it's a, a series that talks about uh, horses in the US and how many of them died. Uh, specifically at Santa Anita Racecourse. It's got the highest death rate of any racehorses in the world. By so far, it's not funny. Wow. Um, and, 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 and to me, the fact that horse racing has survived the amount of deaths it has at the moment all over the world, and, you know, I, I've loved horse racing. I love horses. I, uh, you know, I don't gamble on horses anymore, but I love watch. I still love watching them because they're unbelievable athletes. But, a lot of horses are dying on these tracks. And, and to me, that's one of the big scandals in the last few years. It seems to have been swept under the carpet. You know, it, Melbourne Cup brings it out. You know, people become anti-horse racing once a year. But there are a lot of horses dying. Um, so to me, that's a, a massive scandal as well. Well, on the flip side, the horses are some of the best looked after um, uh, living things on the planet if they win. And the thing is, if we do ban horse racing, a lot of people, you know, I always look at the, or we try and look at both sides of the story, and I think you're really good at doing that. Um, it's an industry that is not just, forget the gambling side of it, it's an industry that um, uh, employs, you know, thirty or 40,000 people around the country. So we're talking strappers, jockeys, trainers, um, stable hands, um, you know, track curators, uh, the people who work at the the tabs at, on track and all that stuff. So there's a lot of people who would be out of work if this industry went it's down. Actually a and also, business. it's a huge family business, man, and a lot of family absolutely generations, I, at, generations, at generations. I mean, my family on my father's side, um, there's a massive uh, history of trainers and and jockeys and all that kind of stuff on my side of the family. So I've seen all. Um, facets of it, the good, bad, and the other. But where do all if, if horse racing is banned, like a lot of people are asking, you, you're costing thirty or forty thousand jobs, but you're also costing a lot of horse lives because where are all these horses going to go if they're not being taken care of um, by these owners and so forth? So, to me, horse racing at the moment's a, a big sporting scandal as well. Well, wow, it's interesting. All right, yeah, and that is. I mean, I, I must look into that because I don't know anything about it. Uh... If I'm worth, going to my- worth listening. I think it's an ESPN podcast and it's about a three-parter called Bloodlines. Yeah, um, I hear it. Sounds good. Really interesting, mate. Brilliant. Boy, but that sounds very much on the lines of the um, the stuff that swept through uh, Greyhounds in uh, New South Wales. A couple of- and the reform's been very good for Greyhounds because they're mm. actually being treated well. Uh, yeah. Mate, your, your, your scandal there. Well, I'm doing it totally off the cuff, so I'm thinking, you know, we've got Deflate Gate in, 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 in the NFL, you've got all kinds of drug scandals, and I was going to go with yep. Maradona. But I think I'll go with the biggest, obviously Tiger Woods, and um, and his trip down under to Australia uh, was a, one of the biggest scandals of all time. And, that, and, you know, that was, we talked about warning, and that really, really hurt Tiger Woods' play after he got busted. But... um. 
I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the, thing, the biggest scandal I can ever remember sports wise as a kid. And it was a toss up between Maradona testing positive at the World Cup in uh, mm. in '94 or '90, yeah. and '90 um, I think it would have to be Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson after he oh. um, won that hundred meters and how incredible that was at the time and what an amazing world event it was and and for Ben Johnson to go down and never forget the uh, press conference. It was a time before social media. You're a kid, we're at school, you watch it, and yep. the press conference comes out, it's in English and French, and uh, Ben Johnson, Canada, uh, and a Benedict steroids. It's like, what the hell? How would that happen? And, and you kind of knew it was happening, but you also was a bit like, so it ain't so sort of thing. Yeah. I think that that's that really oh, man, that's a great take. Cool. That's a great take because it, the 100 metres was the absolute must-watch at the Olympics, wasn't it, as far as track and field goes? And Wow. We, yeah, you know, seen yeah. the Commonwealth Games as well. Remember the time, the Commonwealth Games 100 was like literally a precursor without a couple of yanks to the Olympic final. Absolutely. Christy, I mean, you had Jamaica, Barbados, Canada. You had, yeah, Winkford Christie. I mean, man, I mean... We had a couple decades of absolute brilliant 100 and 200 and 400 metres sprinters, and we've spoken about that before. But that's, yeah, to me, that that was almost a loss of innocence uh, as a sports supporter at that stage, mate. It was, and it really seemed like, you know, in lots of ways, now you go back and you look at it and you go, Ben was a bit of a sacrificial lamb. There was a, everybody was juiced up at that point. Well, you know, one of his biggest rivals, uh, Carl Lewis, um, uh, subsequently tested positive years later as well. So, you know, I know that people say, oh, everyone was doing it, but it's when you get busted and then the everyone was doing it. You know, Sorry, Jimmy, cut out there, mate. I say then Flojo yep. died as well and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, it was all on. It was the Olympic sprinters were in big trouble. I don't know. Linford Christie um, might have false started. I don't know if he got done for drugs. No, I think don't think he was ever done. Mm. Um, and and then there was the there was then there was the follow up uh, sprinter uh, Marion Jones, was it? Yeah, um, she could... who who was done for drugs as well. Yeah. So so it's uh, it's really. But Ben Johnson was the one that just went, oh my god, what what has actually happened? So I think that's an absolutely brilliant take, and we put you on the spot there. So. You know, we could do a whole podcast on sporting scandals. And, you know, as I, I said to you there, you know, death of horses at Santa Anita, go and have a look at the amount of horses that have died on that track. And you'll, if you listen to the podcasts, um, you, you'll hear from trainers, you'll hear from jockeys, you'll hear from owners. You, you, you know what I mean? It's a really interesting to get all the different perspectives. Yeah. Now, that is reporting. And, 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 and people can bag... America for certain things, but one thing that the ESPN documentaries and podcasts do is they look at it from all different angles, and I think Australian um, journalism needs to get back to those roots as well. Well, I do think, though, one of the things is, though, if we're going to be realistic about ESPN, is that you've got those type of reporters who are very good at that. However, I feel that ESPN itself, with its mouthpieces at the front, has been at the forefront of actually destroying good journalism because the takes are so one-sided on just about everything. And Mate, I listen to, uh, I agree, I listen to, you know, uh, Colin Cowherd and I listen to, you know, uh, Skip Bayless and all those people. 
I think literally some of these people are insane. Uh, and and I can barely listen to Skip Bayless anymore. He's a tweet. I think the guy just is out. He's out for a He could look in the mirror and have a fight. Yeah. And his opinion changes all the time. So, you know, um, yeah. I mean, Stephen, Stephen, whatever his name is, what is it? Stephen A. Smith, whatever. Steve, you, you Stephen can, A. Smith and all those guys. You know, um, I heard, I heard, um, I heard Skip Bayless talking about Dak Prescott's um, brother dying. Of yep. his, his brother committed suicide, and he had all kinds of yeah. problems going on. And Dak Prescott was saying, "Was that, that earlier this year?" Was feeling, that, yeah, feeling was that you, know, you struggle with all that, and it, Skip Bayless called him out. It's like, dude, come on, man. I just, I've, I've never, <laughs> I, I actually don't even hit the YouTube thing with him anymore because it's like. I don't want to give that some metric that they're going to pick up on. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of hits, the amount of listens, mm. all that kind of stuff. But, oh, man, I've I got to admit, though, I love Colin Cowherd listening to the herd. Uh, that's pretty cool. The guy calls himself out when he's wrong as well. And I, and, and that's a pretty fresh take. So, he's good. He some good scandals there. <laughs> Sorry, he, but He is good. He doesn't like Aaron Rodgers that much. Yeah. And that, uh, no, he doesn't. Let's be honest about that. But hey, you can't love everyone. That's like, true. Um, I wrote down. Uh, welcome to our new section. It is keep, cuddle, or kick. We'll give you three options. You get to keep one of them. You get to cuddle one of them, and you get to kick one of them out. Cuddle kick ones for you tonight. I'm going to jump in on a couple of them with you, mates, and then we'll finish off the pod tonight. Uh, so keep, cuddle, kick. You know the rules. You get to keep one, you get to cuddle one, you get to kick the other. Mm. So I know you're not a big baseball man, so I'm going to take the first one. Okay, right. I'm going to do it. Myself. I'll do the first for you. So you can keep it in mind. You want to comment about it as well? Jump straight in, buddy. New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, San Francisco Giants. Mm. Um, so I've done no precursor on this. I. Uh, I've got to kick the Yankees because I'm a Mets fan. I'll keep the San Francisco Giants because it's one of the most amazing stadiums I've ever been to. Part of the stand is actually over the water. Yeah. And when the when the ball gets hit for a home run, there's people actually, even in freezing cold weather, out in boats waiting to get the baseballs. So I'll, uh, I'll keep them. And I'll, custle, I'll cut all the Boston Red Sox. So even though they've become this uh, massive kind of franchise now, they've still got their historic ground. They've got some of the most passionate uh, supporters in world sports. I'm going to kick out the Yankees. I'm going to keep the Giants. I'm going to give the uh, Red Sox a bit of a cuddle there, mate. I Look, I do like that um, Giants um, ground. I think one of the great, you know, it was a real shame that I get why they had to fix Candlestick for the 49ers and the Giants. Yeah. But, I mean, yep. seriously, Santa Clara, I mean, that's like going to Redcliffe. <laughs> They're actually closer to where the Raiders played than where San Fran was. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And for people who don't know geography, Oakland, uh, yeah, you're 100% right. So, yeah, I like that. Uh, here's one for you, mate. Mm-hmm. Pat Rafter. Mm-hmm. Ash Barty. Yvonne mm-hmm. Gulligong, Yvonne Corley, whatever you want to call her. So, Pat Rafter, Ash Barty, Yvonne Gulligong. That's a group of... You know I don't love tennis, but um, one, they're all pretty good people. Um, two, they're all champions. And three, it's tennis. All right. I'm going <laughs> to 
It's a tough one. This is just a gonna, tough okay. one, mate. It might be a gentle. I'm going to keep. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to keep. Pat Rafter. I think he's all round yep. great bloke, and I like the. I, I like. I like him. Okay, I like all of them. I, this is really hard. I'm going to cuddle. It's a tough I'm one. Gonna cuddle Yvonne. Yep. Um, because she's just a legend, and she made. You know, there's a lot of stuff gets talked about how hard it is for people coming through now from different backgrounds and stuff like that. But it ain't nothing like it was when he No way. Girl, right? And no way did, did, did people face now what she faced then. Spot no. on. And, and that goes right back to being a, a kid who can afford a tennis racket. All right. And yeah. um, then I'm going just the only reason I'm going to do it is I'm going to kick Ash because of the whole Richmond shtick. I knew you were going to go down that path. <laughs> she should be going for the Lions, mate. She's a tiger through and through, big man. So I, I hear what you're saying. I don't. I don't. It's funny. It's funny, and I don't. Like, I don't love tennis, but I like all those guys, and and I've watched them all play, and um, uh, even back to Yvonne. So they're all legends. So I like tennis when there's people like that involved. Yeah, and I knew that was going to be a tough one, and I actually wouldn't know which way to go there. Uh, I probably would have kicked Rafter out and the same as you, it wouldn't have been because I don't like him. Um, I would have hugged Ash because we're Richmond supporters and I definitely, Yvonne broke all sorts of ground, so I certainly would have kept her. Uh, next one up, mate, is absolutely nothing to do with sport whatsoever, okay? All right. Christmas, Christmas decorations put up prior to December, yep. Halloween and Australia Day. Oh, man. Um, that's a tough. It's a toughie. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep. Oh, I, I'm gonna keep Australia Day. <laughs> okay. Um, because it's a good holiday. I enjoy the. I enjoy the day off. All right. Um, and also, I'm a great believer in, in you know, working together for a common cause. And I think it's incredibly difficult to settle on a change for everyone um, in no time at all. Do you know what I mean? So I, it's tough. I mean, I don't yeah, want to get into the whole minutiae. It's a great point. That's what it is, okay? Um, so I'm going to keep that. Yeah. I'm going to keep – I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm going to cuddle Halloween because yep. I think it's fun. And I still love taking our kids out around the street, just around here. And people always say generous, um, would always give them lollies and that. Everyone says that no one in Australia does it or ever has done it. Well, my kids are all both 21 and 20 now. And they were doing it yep. from when they were three and four. And they always got had amazing nights out. And it's just a bit of fun. But I am going to kick Christmas decorations before December. We don't put ours up until... Um, the week after December starts because that's my wife's dad's anniversary date. Or yeah, so we do that. Or and and anyway, but that's what that's what we do. And as you know, I'm I I'm a I do go to I go to church and I go to mass, whatever. And I like Christmas to follow Advent. And most decorations before that time, I don't really care that much. Because I just like Christmas. I don't hate any of that stuff. Man, what are you doing with me tonight? You're making it hard. Yeah, I thought I'd, 
I thought I threw. Well, I wanted it to be a bit harder, mate. Right. Um, I, I love you. I love your rationales for those as well. And I used to be an anti-Halloween guy, but seeing the joy on your kids and other kids' faces, I now we now go to a pretty big effort um, to make Halloween really special for the kids in our streets and for other people. Because sometimes you have to take off your everything that's not ours is crap hat and just let people enjoy life. But I think if we all do that a little bit more, we're going to have a better world to live in. Yeah, tight asses don't actually want to put their hand in their pocket and buy a chocolate for the kids walking around the street. Seriously, go and buy the two dollar fifty packs. Um, they 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 always subsidise the packs at Woolworths and Coles and all those. You can buy go buy a few of those packs where all the chocolates and everything are wrapped, and the kids don't have to worry. It costs you ten bucks or twelve bucks, and you make a few kids happy. So mm. yeah, I go with you on that one, mate. Last one, we're going to both come in on this one. Keep cuddle kick. Atletico Madrid, Roma, Borussia Dortmund. This one, this one is a tough one. Why don't <laughs> we do it kicks and cuddles and all that at the same time? So what do you want to start with? Okay. Oh, okay. Let's go the keep. Um, keep. Go for it. I'm going to say Borussia Dortmund. What have we got? Atletico, Dortmund and... Roma. Roma. Yep. I'm going to go keep Borussia Dortmund. I'll keep Roma because I've got a Roma Batistuta jersey in my jersey collection and it's it's yep. in my top five. Oh, this is real. I, I deliberately made these tough tonight. The reason I keep Borussia Dortmund and any of my mates who know I'm a Bayern fan, I love the rivalry and you need Dortmund to be strong. And have, having been uh, to see Dortmund play, their crowd and what they do in organising uh, the atmosphere there is unbelievable. So I'll keep Borussia Dortmund. Who are we going to – we'll go a kick here, mate. Who are we going to kick? Who are we going to kick? I'm going to kick um, Atletico because – Yeah, I'm going to kick him because too. Because I – one thing I oh, – I kind of – I'm a big stickler and a big fan for getting things right, okay? And, like, accuracy and being correct and stuff like that. But I'm also an understanding person that says if people don't know in and out everything about every single topic on the planet, you can't make them look like, you know, idiots. And one of the things that really drives me bonkers is this whole drive that you, you have to call Atletico... Atleti and Atleti and all this sort of stuff, right? And I hate that. Yep. At, atleti. It's like, well, you know what? To me, they've always been Atletico. And you know what? If it, if I pronounce it wrong, you can kick me because they haven't – I love their manager. Um, I I respect the fact that they're playing in a city, sharing a city with the most biggest football team that's ever been. Um, and they still managed to find a way of being relevant. But um, I can't come with this whole athletic stuff, so they can go for that. Well, you might have saved me there because I wasn't sure. You almost talked me into keeping them in the end there. Uh, I'm giving them the gentlest of kicks, and I actually don't have any rationale behind it uh, at all. So, um, obviously, from there... Uh, I would have loved to be beaten at, at, one, one, at least one of those European Cups. That would have been sensational. So, obviously, you're going to cuddle Borussia Dortmund. Uh, mainly because of the standing stand that they've kept throughout the whole of the ridiculous um, all-seat stadium things through Europe. 
they've always kept that massive um, standing only yeah, the terraces. And I think it's one of the greatest things in European sport or world sport. And, uh, mate, I, I almost want to switch Atletico and Roma now. But uh, for me, I love the fact that Roma have kept their jerseys. I'll give them a bit of a cuddle because they might not be the most attractive jerseys, but they've kept pretty strong to their roots. They haven't sold out their jerseys with a million different sponsors or so forth. So I'll give Roma a, a gentle cuddle there, and I'm not sure why. The rationale there at all. Well, not Sometimes only that, but let's one, be huh? realistic. I mean, Rome is like, what a city. And the, yeah. one of the um, sneaky big-time dead-set rivalries that football fans should go and actually go to for an experience is, is Roma and Lazio. Oh, yes. 100% and correct. And when you said tonight, you know, oh, when, you, when they, you mentioned that Lazio had won in the – in um in the Champions League, I, I thought it was pretty. I, I liked that. That was good because I like those big Italian teams. Yeah, and and you know some of my um, youth growing up, some of the Italian teams were were in some ways sexier than the English teams um, for for pure football sake because we actually got more football in Australia from uh, from Spain and Italy than we got from the English game. So that's kind of what I grew up watching on the highlights on Sunday morning. Um, it wasn't called SBS back then. It was Channel Thirty One, One or whatever. Channel it was. Thirty Two. Yeah, it was. Some, it was Thirty Two. Yeah, it was. It was. It was certainly a different channel. No, it was Channel Twenty Eight. Um, but that's how I. It was definitely Twenty Eight. It was. I don't know what. It was. It was on you. It yeah. definitely was. But that's how. That's how I grew up watching football. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't get a lot of English football when I was younger, but I watched a lot of European football. Mm. So I kind of fell in love with them at that stage. I'll tell you what, mate, it's been a bloody interesting podcast tonight. We've covered all sorts of stuff. Um, do you want to do it again next week with me? Anytime, man. I hope that um, our three fans out there enjoyed it. And if they want to send us some feedback or they want to cancel us, well, we'll let that happen. Imagine having a uh, an internet firestorm over us can't, um, kicking Atletico because of the pronunciation. Oh, mate, I'd love this. So let's get it Let's get it out there and uh, see what we can do. Mate, I'll, I'll catch you next week. We'll talk a bit of football and talk a bit of all sorts of sports like we always do. Thanks, Paul. We have, we have, but thanks, John. We have been the Love Sport Podcast. Provide us any feedback you want. You can get John on at Twitter at Lambic Peach. Yep. You might be able to figure that out. You can get me at Paul underscore football. Figure that one out. And we have been the Love Sport Podcast. That was. Uh, it's with heavy hearts today we say goodbye and veil Diego Armando Maradona, uh, a man of you know controversies, but a man of sublime skill, and a heavy heart is felt by anyone who follows the football world. Um, can't really say too much more been pretty emotional today myself but from on behalf of the Love Sport podcast uh, Fail Diego Other goalkeepers uh, tend to do and uh, that ball was played through to him but here's Maradona again he has Borchaga to his left and Valdano to his left he doesn't he won't need any of them oh you have to say that's magnificent there is no debate about that goal. That was just pure football genius. And the crowd in the Azteca Stadium stands in. Inside one, 
away from another. And McCool is under pressure to play the ball home with the side of his foot. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. You can reach us on Facebook at Love Sport, also with our football podcast at We Only Pod When We're Winning. You can follow me on Twitter at Paul underscore football, John at Lambic Peach, Sean at Hunslet White, and Pete at Pete Novikowski. We are the Love Sport Podcast.